time now for the Cannabis Hour. Marijuana smoking, experts point out, can make a helpless addict of its victim within weeks, causing physical and moral ruin and death. The first legally sold marijuana here goes to an Iraqi war veteran. A new insurance study out this week looked at car crashes in several states that allow the use of recreational marijuana. Barry Peterson. You're a doc. You've studied this. You've talked to the researchers. You're saying marijuana can kill cancer cells. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Marijuana is illegal under federal law. States have legalized recreation. No wonder you can't open your eyes. What do you expect doping yourself up with this wrong stuff? What do you know about pot? Good morning. You are listening to the Cannabis Hour. I'm your host, Jen Procacci. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Cannabis Hour today. I just want to check in with all of our listeners about our fundraiser that we were doing over the past few weeks. We are so grateful for everyone who chipped in to help KZYX reach $89,000 of our $100,000 goal. If you didn't get a chance to help out the station and this community, and you would like to still, you can go online at kzyx.org and click the donate button to still contribute to our funds. Or you can send a check to KZYX, Post Office Box 1, Philo, California, 95466. So again, you can always still donate on our website, kzyx.org or by sending a check or dropping a check off to the station. Um, Our mailing address is KZYX, Post Office Box 1, Philo, California, 95466. All right. I have the wonderful Michael Katz on the air with me today, the Executive Director of Mendocino Cannabis Alliance. We're going to be discussing some important changes to the Mendocino County Equity Grant Program which exists to assist um, licensed cultivators and those in the culti- in the licensing process and to a small degree, those who want to come into the process um, with grant money. And we're going to get into how all that works. And we're going to also be talking about the portal. And I hope you know what that is if you're a licensed cultivator. And if not, you're going to find out today. So, Michael, are you here on the air with us? I am. Good morning, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today, Michael. Um, Before we dive in, do you just want to give our listeners a little rundown about MCA, why it's so great and why they should be supporting it? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, you gave me a great intro there. Thanks so much. Uh, Mendocino Cannabis Alliance is uh, the premier cannabis trade association in Mendocino County. Uh, We have over 130 members, uh, the vast majority of which are small licensed cultivators operating here in Mendocino. Uh, Our efforts are primarily focused on policy advocacy, uh, as well as uh, economic development for our community and, you know, promoting our incredible world famous cannabis cultivators and businesses 
uh, as part of, uh, you know, this globally move, moving cannabis uh, industry. And this is, I think many would say that Mendocino County is among the birthplaces of this new wave of legal cannabis. And so, you know, it's an honor for me to be able to, to work with this incredible community and, you know, try to support uh, all these folks' efforts to navigate a very challenging system, maintain compliance, and, you know, move towards the future of, you know, what will hopefully one day be an actual free market. So we uh, we believe we're stronger together as a group, and we have an incredible uh, team of volunteers, each with decades of experience in advocacy and cultivation and retail and manufacturing and all of the components of uh, running a successful business. And through a democratic process uh, with a lot of deliberation, we break down the different issues that are affecting our community and we work to provide uh, reasonable database solutions. And, uh, you know, we are we're thrilled to see uh, efforts that we have been making lately uh, on the portal and on the equity to have been uh, considered and some of them are being implemented. And so, you know, it's, it's a really I feel like it's a really good time as far as this organization working with the county uh, to see some positive change. And uh, we're looking forward to more. And obviously, we invite all Mendocino cannabis community members to join MCA. We are uh, fully democratic and we're, we're open to all. And, uh, you know, we're here to help. Thank you, Michael, for giving our listeners that rundown there. Yeah, if you're interested in learning more about MCA, how you can support the organization or join, you can visit their website, which is mendocannabis.com. That is mendocannabis.com. And Michael, I just want to say thanks in advance for taking the time to be on the air with me again today. You're a wealth of knowledge for our listeners. And, you know, I always learn something too. So I'm ready to dive right in here um, with educating everyone about the local equity grant program. And just real quick for our listeners, we will be taking callers at the end. So while you're listening today, if you have a question or a comment, don't forget it. And the last 15 minutes of our show, we will bring you on the air to um, be a part of the program. So I'm just going to read this little intro from the Mendocino County website here describing the equity program, and then we'll jump into uh, explaining it all for our listeners. So in 2020, Mendocino County was awarded $2.2 million from the Cannabis Equity Grants Program for local jurisdictions, which is being administered by the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development. In addition, the Board of Supervisors allocated $100,000 of matching grant dollars to support our local cannabis equity program, which aims to provide funding and services for those hardest hit by the war on drugs by lowering barriers to cannabis permitting and licensing. And what does this mean? Basically, it means that if you are a permitted cannabis cultivator, and I think also for manufacturers, and to some degree, um, folks looking to, I believe, open cannabis uh, manufacturing and distribution centers, Michael can comment on that more. There is uh, grant money available for you. You can apply. You get this money. You don't have to pay it back, although you do have to pay taxes on it. And while there are limitations about what you can use the money for, um, basically the concept is that you're using these dollars to help yourself 
come into compliance or to do things like stop relying on gas generators, et cetera. And we're going to dive into all of those nitty gritty details. Um, Michael, do you want to expand at all on what I just said there? Sure. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, the equity program is in, you know, it, it's it's a groundbreaking opportunity for folks who have been harmed by the war on drugs. And this program is, you know, it, it's the beginning of what I believe will continue to be efforts by the state, by regulators to make up or to try to make up, to try to start to make up for these harms that were caused by the war on drugs. And, you know, we can see that in this program, you know, we're talking about grant funding uh, uh, up to $59,000 per applicant, um, you know, for use in different ways that we'll get into. Um, and, you know, that is one component, but we also know that there are uh, at the state level as far as access to provisional licensees uh, or provisional licenses that folks who have been deemed uh, equity operators in their jurisdiction, um, you know, they can actually, their deadline for provisionals is a year beyond uh, non-equity operators. And so, you know, while we don't fully know what all of these things will be, I think it's really, really important. And I can't stress this enough that anyone who is uh, or has been harmed by the war on drugs uh, to really evaluate the eligibility requirements uh, that are on the Elevate Impact website um, and really identify if that is you because applying for this, uh, this this designation goes beyond these grants. But obviously these grants are very valuable. There are more grants coming. Uh, they're beyond the initial tranche of 2.2 million that was awarded. There's another 800,000 or more that was awarded for the next calendar year. We're going to be applying for the calendar year after that uh, as well. And there is this jurisdictional grants that are coming down from the state to support folks transitioning from provisionals to annuals. So there's all kinds of grant and support opportunities that are being made available to equity operators. And um, so I just really want folks, I know a lot of folks in our community have been impacted by the war on drugs, and but they might not think necessarily that the program is right for them. But I want, I just would encourage everyone to take a look um, because you know, one of the major changes that happened uh, recently is that there is no longer an income threshold to limit access to the program. Uh, so previously, folks had to either fall into a low income uh, category or a moderate income category. And, you know, a lot of folks just being in the cannabis industry and having mortgages, their mortgages are more than the requirements for those lower income categories. So it was really a challenge for people uh, who are operators to, to engage in this process. But now that that income threshold has been lifted, it really it really opens it up to to basically anyone who fits the eligibility criteria. Uh, and so, you know, we can go over those if you like, but I wanted to just address the fact that it's really important that folks check into their eligibility and apply. Absolutely. And I actually have that list of eligibility conditions um, right in front of me here. So I'm going to just go ahead and read that. 
So uh, you must meet one of the following equity conditions. So just one of these has to apply to you. Um, You have lived within a five mile radius of the location of raids conducted by the Campaign Against Marijuana, Marijuana Planting or CAMP program as we so fondly know them. You could have a parent, sibling or child who was arrested for or convicted of the sale, possession, use, manufacturing, or cultivation of cannabis, including as a juvenile. Um, Any individual who has obtained or applied for a cannabis permit in Mendocino County, or who has worked in or currently works in the cannabis industry and was arrested and or convicted of a nonviolent cannabis-related offense, or was subject to asset forfeiture arising from a cannabis-related event. You could be a person who has experienced sexual assault, exploitation, domestic violence, and or human trafficking while participating in the cannabis industry, or you could have become homeless or suffered a loss of housing as a result of cannabis enforcement. And so that list is on the Mendocino County Cannabis website, which is mendocinocounty.org backslash government, backslash cannabis, slash cultivation. Um, You know, if you just Google that, it'll pop right up. So it's pretty broad. I mean, I have a hard time thinking of anybody I know in Mendocino County that doesn't fit into one of these equity conditions. Um, Michael, do you want to expand on that at all? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's important to note that this this program has undergone several changes. So when it first launched, you know, the there were there was uh, limitations on the much more substantial limitations on income, as we discussed. There was also uh, a maximum direct grant of ten thousand uh, dollars. So since the the program is rolled out and there were not a lot of applicants and we're getting closer and closer to this deadline where if these grant funds are not distributed, they will actually go back to the state. Uh, the Board of Supervisors has made uh, re- uh, made adjustments to the to the program to make it more accessible so they've increased the d- direct grant to fifty thousand uh, dollars from ten thousand uh, dollars you know that's one major one removing the income threshold is another and so um, and they've also expanded the options of what the direct grants can actually be used for so initially the direct grants were limited to you know just environmental remediation or uh, you know a few very uh, you know, restricting items, but now um, direct grant expenses have been expanded to cover uh, technical assistance or professional services, including consultants providing CEQA analysis and Appendix G development, biological studies, bookkeeping, accounting, legal, insurance requirements, business location procurement assistance in required trainings such as Cal OSHA and cannabis related tax payments. So the what these funds can be used for has been greatly expanded. And we've seen every time there's been a shift in the program, there have been more applicants. So when we started and folks first were able to start applying, there were like 28 applicants. And then with the next round of changes, there were 50 something. And now with this most recent change, there are over 100. But we really encourage, as you mentioned, you know, it's hard to think of folks who we know in the in the community here who don't fit into one of those categories. And so, you know, I, I 
again, just encourage folks to look into what those are. And we have all of this information also posted on our website, amendocannabis.com. If you hit the policy tab, you'll you'll get there and I'll lay this all out with the appropriate links to the Elevate Impact website uh, so you can apply and just be aware that their website is slow to be updated. So it's very likely uh, that the site still has previous restrictions that have since been adjusted. So, you know, go based off of the posts that's on our website as far as the requirements and then, you know, apply and they're there to help with the application process. So, you know, get it going, start the conversation, and they'll help uh, to direct you if there are components that need to be addressed within your application. Yes, thank you for that. And that's a very good point that their website is slow to be updated. Um, I actually started the application myself a few days ago, and I noticed that they still have the income threshold requirement listed as very low income or extremely low income on the eligibility application. But in reality, um, you know, that's not true anymore. So you should just go ahead and apply anyway. I urge people to just get their applications in as soon as you possibly can. And I have in front of me here a list of um, what you can use your direct grant money for. So I wanna go ahead and read that. And it looks like it's pretty up to date to me. Um, after I read it, Michael, definitely weigh in if something sounds incorrect to you, but this seems like the expanded list here. All right, so for your up to $50,000 in direct grants, which would be dispersed in two twenty-five thousand. Um, dollar disbursements there. You could use this money for, and it says suggested activities include, but are not necessarily limited to, water storage for irrigation during forbearance periods of surface water diversion required by local or state regulations, um, remediation and relocation of cannabis facilities located within streamside setbacks required by state or local regulation, Installation of solar electrical systems to replace diesel or gasoline generator power for off-grid cannabis facilities where connecting to the grid is economically feasible. That is a huge one. Road remediation, watershed mitigation, culverts or infrastructure needed to meet state or local regulations. Grants for the purpose of employment skill training for eligible equity participants or seeking employment in licensed cannabis operations in Mendocino County. General business purposes, including technical assistance, professional services, including consultants, like Michael said, that would provide sequel analysis and or appendix G development, biological studies, bookkeeping, accounting, legal insurance requirements, um, business location procurement prior to or during the application process, i.e. rent and or lease assistance, and assistance in required trainings such as CalOSHA, um, cannabis-related tax payments as well. I'm not sure about that, what that last one means there. Um, Michael, do you have any? Oh, yes. Um, can you speak if, on that one? Yes. If, if there are cannabis taxes owed specifically to the county or state, these funds can be used to pay those taxes. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. Uh, and, and so we're really grateful at this latest round of changes because it really opens up the opportunities for what folks can use these funds for. And, you know, it's we, it, it be, this program continues to get more and more helpful. What I do really want to stress, though, is the deadlines 
for uh, applying and participating in this first round of grant funds because we those deadlines are coming up. So basically, in order to be considered for this first round, folks will need to have their application filed by November 7th which is coming up right around the corner. And I know there's so much stuff going on and I know it's harvest and it just was this storming and a lot of people are dealing with the portal and it's an extra thing to focus on, but, you know, just push through. This is one more thing. I know you can do it. Um, and so, you know, want those applications in by November 7th. And then once folks have that in and they're deemed eligible, they'll have to have their uh, applications for the direct grant, the fee waiver, and their technical assistance components. Those are the three different areas within the grants that folks can apply for. And those applications will have to be in by December 7th. And so in order to get and these funds all have to be distributed by, uh, you know, February in order for them not to go back to the state. So that's with the folks who have already applied and the ones that will have yet to come in. You know, these are the dates that we want people to consider for this first round even though it's important to realize that there will be more rounds and we actually have the program up and running. So this we're about to start seeing folks getting uh, their first disbursements of direct grant funds. But, you know, moving into the next calendar year, this process that we've been developing this whole time will be in place and it should be a lot more streamlined and folks should be able to get access to these funds a lot faster. That's wonderful. So I am noticing something here on the MCA website under the equity program um, list that you have here. It does say will require all county taxes to be paid up in full. So what does that mean for applicants? So what that means is that as uh, the county is preparing to uh, apply to provide the grant funds. They'll be determining if the applicant is paid in full on any outstanding county taxes. And if not, those taxes will have to be paid. Now, I believe that the grant funds, as we know now, can be used to pay those taxes. Um, so my hope would be that folks would be able to allot that portion of their grant to the county uh, to those taxes uh, and then be able to retain uh, the remainder. But it is also important that folks remember that these grant funds are considered taxable income. And so I'm not an accountant and I'm not a tax professional, but folks will want to speak to their tax professionals about how to uh, you know, properly report receiving these grant funds on their returns. Thank you, that is important to note. So I'm wondering if MCA has any statistics on um, the equity program, how many people have applied, how many folks have um, been told that they're gonna receive funds. Do you have any of that information? So yeah, we had some of this information provided at the uh, at the webinar that happened yesterday and there's this information is linked to on our website. Uh, and so right now, there have been a total of 118 applicants. Uh, there are 48 of those have been approved and 67 of those are in underwriting. So we're still being uh, reviewed. Um, and so within those, there are uh, 16 direct grants that have been completed. Uh, 17 fee waivers that have been completed and 12 technical assistance grants that have been completed. Uh, and so while these are in the process of being approved, I know that some of the fee waivers 
uh, at least uh, have been started to roll out where folks have been able to apply those funds to fees. In the case of fee waivers, that's a $7,000 maximum grant allowance that does not actually go to the grantee. The county holds onto it and then will deduct those fees as they come up until the amount is 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 gone. And so uh, while we still this is sounds like these are good numbers, you know, we know that there are probably 800 folks in the county licensing program or so. Uh, and so we really with there's 118 total applicants today, there could certainly be another couple hundred before November 7th. And I really encourage folks to do that. I wonder when we go back and listen to this, how many times I will have said that I encourage folks to apply for equity eligibility. I don't think you can say it enough. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's really important to keep saying it. And, um, you know, almost a tiny little piece of me was had slightly hesitant to do this show because I had covered the equity program on an, an earlier and somewhat recent episode of the Cannabis Hour. But I was like, you know, I think people really need to hear about these changes. And you were right earlier when you said that it's harvest, everything is crazy. It's like, I can speak from personal experience. I've been meaning to apply for the equity grant program, and I certainly consider myself informed. And you know what? I'm not done with my application, and I didn't realize the deadline was November 7th. So I think we're all in need of your encouragement, Michael. So right on. <laughs> I appreciate and I don't think, it. You know, we, we're just learning this November 7th deadline because this we've been developing this process as it's been rolled out. You know, like a lot of uh, cannabis policy we've experienced. And so, you know, the I, I really am encouraged by these recent changes in the cannabis program, really hearing the, the community and working to create solutions. And now, you know, it's just an issue of getting the funds dispersed. And on the equity webinar yesterday, Kristen made it clear that she is 100 percent expects funds to be distributed uh, within this calendar year sooner than later. And so, you know, that's that's really exciting. And we're excited for folks to get these funds into their hands. So on the subject of that webinar, is there anything coming up like that again soon for folks that may have missed that, but would like that kind of program? Yeah, great question. And they are going to have now monthly equity check-in webinars with the community to go over the status uh, of, of the program, how folks are doing, how many people have applied, uh, answer any questions. And that's going to be happening on the third Wednesday of every month, I want to say. Um, but we will send out information. It'll be widely reported when the next one is going to happen. Uh, and so, you know, very excited to, to have that ability to maintain direct communication. And folks should feel free to reach out repeatedly to Elevate Impact. You know, they're busy. They have a lot going on, but they're they're there to support you. And if you don't hear back quick enough, just continue to reach out. Uh, and, you know, they're, they are 100% going to be responding. Awesome. Thank you. So before we transition to our next topic, which is the portal, is there anything more that you want to say about the equity grant program that we haven't touched on yet? Well, I mean, I probably have, I don't think I've said that folks should apply yet. So I want to say that people should definitely check their eligibility and apply uh, to this program. The website is Elevate Impact. Uh, it's on, the link is on our website. And yeah, we just really encourage people to check it out. Michael and I both encourage you to apply from the <laughs> bottom of our hearts. 
Get in there, y'all. So you can get this money. It's there for all of us. All right. So moving on, before we start our next topic, which equally important, the portal, I just want to remind all our listeners that KZYX is so grateful for everyone who chipped in and donated to help us reach $89,000 of our $100,000 fundraising goal over the past few weeks. And if you didn't get a chance to help out the station this time around and you would still like to donate, you can totally do that. And you can go online and do it at kzyx.org. That's a really easy way. Just click the donate button on our website there. Or you can send a check to KZYX. We are at Post Office Box 1 in Philo, California, 95466. And another reminder for our listeners is that in about 15 minutes, we're going to be opening up the phone lines and Michael and I will both be here to answer your questions or hear your comments on what we have talked about today. So on to the portal. Michael, would you like to give a little summary of the portal and what it's all about for everyone who's listening? If you're a licensed cultivator or in the licensing program, I hope that you are already in this portal process, but if you are not, it's not too late. And that is our message for you today. So Michael, I'm gonna give you the floor to kind of just explain what the portal is. Great, thanks. And just to start off, if you if folks have a county annual permit, uh, you do not need to use the portal. Just so if, don't, don't, don't worry. If you have a county annual permit, this portal is not for you. Um, but it is for uh, the vast majority of folks who have uh, what are called embossed receipts, which is county approval without having been given a full permit. And so when this portal was uh, developed, the idea of it was developed because the program had transferred departments uh, over several years moved from paper applications to digital applications. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of trouble tracking down uh, paperwork. And so rather than, you know, just kind of throw the, our hands up at the confusion of the situation, um, which would have potentially led to folks maybe being removed from the program because of a lack of a complete application, uh, the portal was developed to solve that problem and provide both on the operator side and on the county side a kind of ability to restart and provide in one place this uh, full digital version of the application uh, so that uh, the compliance of each operator could be reviewed. And so the portal opened on August 2nd uh, and will be closing on November 2nd, just got a, a couple of day extension. And the process is specifically for folks to upload all of their relevant documentation for their application. Uh, and once, and then that process leads to ultimately the digital application hopefully being accepted as complete. And then once the, all of those applications are brought in and reviewed for completeness, they will be reviewed for content uh, qualitatively. Uh, and then, you know, that process is what needs to happen for folks to get to their county annual permit. And then once folks have their county annual permit, they will either need to uh, go through the Appendix G process to get their state annual license, or they may, if they uh, are able to sign a contiguous 
uh, expansion affidavit and say that they did not expand beyond their original site more than 200 feet. Uh, those are the two ways to kind of get through that process. Those identify the, the site-specific review requirements. Um, and so basically, all of these embossed receipt holders have been uh, trying to get their applications uploaded, and it's been a very confusing and challenging process. But what we have learned uh, on the Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday, which was a very important confirmation from the cannabis program, is that all of the applications that have been submitted uh, to the portal prior to closing will be reviewed uh, for completeness and have that opportunity uh, to, to go through that process. So right now we know that there are 678, 679 embossed receipts that were assigned to the portal. And we know that 250 folks that were assigned have not yet replied. And so we also, you know, we know that this is a challenging time and some folks are, you know, thinking about leaving the licensed industry. Some folks have left. It's, uh, you know, it, it's brutal for a lot of people. And so, you know, these 250 outstanding uh, portal submissions, they represent 250 people in our community. And so, you know, they still have until November 2nd at 1159 to go through this portal process to in, at least submit their first attempt. And then anyone who has submitted in good faith by this second uh, will be able to have the process of identifying if there are things missing from their submission and kind of work with the cannabis program to get to completion. And so it's, it's, it's great that we know that folks who have already submitted will be able to work through because there was a question about that. There have been some concerns that folks might just be cut out of the program if their uh, applications had not been reviewed by the deadline, but it was confirmed that that is not the case. So everyone should just, you know, take a deep breath um, but also, if you have not gone through the portal and you are assigned, you really need to get that process started. And on our website, mendocannabis.com, uh, on the policy tab, there uh, we have all of this kind of listed out and the relevant links. And of course, also this information is available on the Mendocino County website uh, off the cannabis program page. Yes, I definitely encourage you to apply to the portal if you're one of these 250 outstanding embossed receipt holders who have not yet started the application. Because as Michael just stated, you know, as long as you get it in by November 2nd, the county, as they say, is going to work with everyone to, you know, it's not a guarantee that you're going to actually um, get through to the other side, but uh, you won't be denied based on any kind of um, incompleteness of your application. As long as you just get started by November 2nd, they're going to try to, you know, work with you. Um, Michael, can you speak a little bit about the experience of the folks that have been going through the portal and what that process has been like? Um, I know that, you know, we've been going through the portal as embossed receipt holders, my farm, and I have many other friends who have been going through the portal as well. And there's been a lot of applications that have been getting kind of like bounced back for deficiencies. So can you speak a little bit to what that process has been like? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I've I've heard a lot of that as well. You know, there has been a lot of confusion during this process, and that's why I think it's important that the program cleared up the fact that all folks who have submitted will be able to, to work through this process. Um, you know, I think that it's going to be a challenge, you know, especially given the time period for a lot of people who have been dealing with harvest uh, and the, the weather um, and the confusion and challenge of gathering a lot of documents from different departments who have their own turnaround times that are being asked for and, you know, confusion on some documents, what is required, what might not be required. And I think it's important for all of us to note that this is the first time this process has been rolled out. And of course, there are going to be confusing elements to it. I mean, and that's why, you know, it's so important to understand that where the, the county is now willing to work with these folks who have submitted. Uh, MCA had requested and advocated for a longer window for the portal, at least through the end of the year. And other folks had also made that request because it's, it's true that given the timeline, given uh, harvest, given the complications and given a lot of people are just out of funds to, to move some things forward, uh, that, that there are some people that within this group of 250 who may just have not had the ability to engage it and might still not have the ability to engage. And so we certainly don't see any harm. We wouldn't see any harm in extending the window for those folks to be able through the end of the year, now that harvest is completed or getting completed to be able to engage in this process. And we'd still like to see that happen. We didn't get any indication of that. The only extension that was granted date wise was November 2nd, which is why this date is now so important. But the challenges that folks have faced have been significant. And, you know, I encourage everyone as you are facing these challenges to not bear them in silence. Uh, you know, if you're noticing issues or have concerns with how certain things are happening, you know, let the cannabis program know, let MCA know, let us know so we can advocate and continue to support your going through this process. Because, you know, something that it's really hard to go through these things when we're on our own. And it's a little bit less hard when we're doing it together. And so, you know, I, I encourage folks to, to consider that. And I also want to take a moment to thank uh, the very overburdened cannabis program staff who, you know, are dealing with uh, insurmountable odds. We all are. We're all up against uh, all of these clocks and all of these walls. And, uh, you know, I, I truly believe that they're they're doing what they can. And uh, I know that there's the goal is to continue to uh, improve processes. And so, you know, we're going to keep working on those things. Uh, but it has been challenging for folks. And and, you know, I, I imagine that it will continue to be challenging. But, you know, I encourage folks not to give up and uh, to keep it up. Absolutely. I know, you know, many cultivators who have been in the portal process who keep getting bounced back with deficiencies and getting asked like the oddest of questions. Um, but we just have to persist like we have at all other points in time with this process and hope for the best and be grateful for the small amount of portal extension that we did get. Although I agree, Michael, I think it absolutely would make sense were there to be a longer extension, I would certainly support that as well. Um, it seems to only make sense, but right now we can work with what we have, which is just basically getting that application in um, before November 2nd, and then the county will be working with you. 
So I would love to soon open up our phone lines here because I have a feeling we're going to get some calls from folks who have some questions on what we've talked about today. But before I do that, Michael, is there anything else that you want to say about the portal? Oh, boy. Well, I just I, I guess I just I want to reiterate that as as challenging a process as this portal has been, it is important to remember and will be. It's important to remember that without it, it was possible that many of these folks who are now being able to work through to prove their compliance would have just been removed like that with the portal came from wanting to make sure that everyone who is in the program who had been trying to maintain compliance could show the county that that was the case because at that time there was a lot of questions about who was really in and who was really out and so you know the only way to answer those questions instead of just you know removing the questionables from the from the process was to give everybody this chance and so it is it's a challenge this entire process from day 1 from 931 has been a, a challenge and you know i just have so much respect for the folks who are going through this who have gone through it uh, for the folks who have gone through it and said, you know what, I, this, this is not for me, because I know that the people in our community did not move up here, did not live here, did not pursue this lifestyle to engage in, in this sort of behavior. Uh, and so, you know, uh, it, it's incredibly challenging. And I, I just want everyone to give themselves, uh, you know, some love and appreciation and respect for, for having gone through this and for continuing to go through it. And I just want to say that, again, MCA is here for you, for this community, and we are certainly stronger together, and, and we're here working on your behalf. Yes, that is true. Michael, I had my microphone off while you were speaking, but I was laughing a little bit when you said that many folks chose to move here to not engage in that kind of behavior. <laughs> you're, def you're definitely right. And if you're one of those 250 embossed receipt holders who has decided not to apply for the portal because this is just too nuts for you, totally see and respect that, you know, 100%. I'm just, I want to encourage people that, um, you know, maybe they're out there and they just feel overwhelmed by the portal or they just don't like know or understand how to get the process started that, like Michael said, you're not alone. There's so much support out there um, for you from MCA and other cultivators. So November 2nd, you just got to get started. Um, and on that note, I'm going to open up the phone lines now to anybody out there who might be listening with a question or a comment, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. That number is 707-895-2448. That number again is 707-895-2448. So feel free to give us a call if you have a question about how to apply for the equity program, or maybe you wanna talk about your crazy portal experience. Um, we're here for you and we wanna hear what you have to say. That number is 707-895-2448. All right. So while we are waiting for folks to call in, I just want to make sure that we reiterate some of those web resources for people that have been listening, um, resources about where they can get information on the equity program. Michael, do you want to give out the web address again for MCA? And also, do you want to give out the date again for the upcoming equity program workshops? Yeah, so the NCA's website is mendocannabis.com. 
And you can find the information that we've been discussing on the policy page, uh, which you can click in the menu. Uh, also, the website for the equity program is elevateimpactmendo.com. Um, and you can find that link on the MCA website as well. Uh, and the the next, uh, I believe that the next equity webinar will be in about a month. So probably, I mean, I don't think it's going to be on Thanksgiving. So probably on the 18th of November, and we'll send out information uh, as that is confirmed. And um, yeah, we're going to have uh, some other exciting announcements of some fun stuff coming up in the near future. Uh, so, you know, I believe that the holiday season will, will be a merry one. Wonderful. And it looks like we have a caller. So we're going to go ahead and put that caller through. Hi, caller. You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? I am. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for calling in. Okay, great. Am I coming in clear? Yep, we can hear you loud and clear. Caller, are you here with us? Yeah, yeah. How's it going? Thanks for the show. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank you. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I think it's a great community service and KZYX rocks. Everyone should support it. Everyone should roll oh, in thank you. to uh, the, the association and pay their dues and uh, flood, those, uh, flood that volunteer organization that Mr. Katz crushes so well. And just want to say thank you to everybody. And you're awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, caller. Really yeah. appreciate that support and positive message. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's great to hear that. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We're, uh, we're out here working and we, uh, we have so much love for this community and we just want to see everybody succeed. Great. Yes, definitely. And I just want to give out that number one more time to anybody that might be listening and might have a question or a comment about the equity program or the portal or a general message of support, which is always super awesome to hear. That number is 707-895-2448. So that is 707-895-2448. If you have a question or a comment for Michael or myself, or you want to share your crazy portal story or get some information about the equity grant program, we're here to take your calls. And, Jen, and oh, oh, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to, you know, provide one additional ray of hope for folks who are going through this process uh, of the portal and, and working through this compliance is that there is uh, an $18 million state grant fund allocation made to Mendocino that is going to be applied for by the cannabis program by no later than November 15th, which is when that application is due. And those funds are specifically earmarked to support the process of transitioning folks from their provisionals to their annuals. And that's going to come in as far as support for the cannabis program and staff and contractors to do reviews of applications and support that process. And it's also going to be available for direct grants to applicants for environmental mitigations and all kinds of uh, projects and requirements that will be necessary to get them to an annual license. So, you know, this is just this one additional step, but around the corner, there is, you know, this, this 
batch of funds. And it's part of the state acknowledging the struggles that our community has been faced with and communities like ours and other heritage producing regions where there are way more provisionals like than annuals. And so, you know, we are not alone in that regard either. The state is aware that things are happening and, you know, we're all working, especially through our uh, our statewide advocacy organization, Origins Council, to to you know to in, impact that conversation, and uh, so that there's still a lot of really strong things happening, and I encourage people to get involved. You know, I know that the the reflex might be to shy away, but it's more important than ever now to to really dig in and and make sure that we're we're creating a solid future for ourselves. Thank you. That is great news, Michael. Thank you for sharing that. And it looks like we have one caller holding here. So we're going to go ahead and put that caller through. Hi, caller. You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? Yes, I am. And I would like to ask a question. How do you get started? I'd like to do medicinals. I'd like to figure out sabs and um, tinctures and sprays. And, and I'm not a grower, but I would like to figure out how to do um, healing you know, uh, and, and where where do you get started if you're not you know if you're not in the process yet? Is there is there a, a www dot is there a beginning place to get it? Would the portal be the one? You know, to to uh, there are places okay. here in Willits that are for rent or for sale that would make you know possible plate you know possible places to mix and to match and to provide an outlet for. And I'll take my answer off. Great the air. question. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, caller. Yeah, that's a great question, Michael. Do you want to speak a little bit to um, folks who are out there who did not get in on phase one and are interested in possibly applying at some point in the future for cultivation, or it sounded like this caller was speaking specifically to manufacturing? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, manufacturing is is less complicated, actually. Uh, you know, there are less uh, zones where it's allowable, but there are definitely opportunities that still exist for folks to to enter enter the licensed space. A lot of what we're talking about here, I mean, the portal is specifically for cultivation licensees. Um, you know, there are different requirements for manufacturing, for distribution, for retail, and and those are all still kind of actively in play right now. There are no new cultivation ordinance. Uh, uh, there's no new cultivation ordinance, and so there is no new cultivation permitting uh, that will be happening for some time. Uh, but, you know, I think that as far as where folks can learn about how to get engaged, uh, I would encourage folks to look up, uh, you know, start, uh, if you're thinking about getting into the cannabis business, I'd start off doing some research at home and trying some, uh, you know, home versions of what you're going to get into. I mean, it's certainly allowable for people to grow their own medicinal cannabis uh, and to purchase cannabis that they can then experiment with uh, responsibly in their own homes and kitchens uh, before choosing to engage in the business side of things. I will say that it is a very challenging time to enter the licensed cannabis market. And, uh, you know, generally folks are finding that they need to have large stores of capital and, uh, you know, a lot of savvy in understanding market dynamics and uh, branding and uh, all kinds of things that are, you know, can be challenging to a new startup. 
And so I would just encourage people to, you know, maybe do a lot of research on the trials and tribulations of folks who have been engaged in the current licensed market before deciding to get into it. Um, and But you can certainly be uh, following your passion for medicine uh, at home, um, you know, in your in your own kitchen at any time. And the Internet's a great resource. Thank you so much, Michael, for that answer. So we have two callers holding. We're going to go ahead and put the first caller through. Oh, we now have three holding. All right, caller, go ahead. You're live on the Cannabis Hour. Are you here with us? All right. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Awesome. My name is Brandon. I'm from Laytonville, California. Um, we are in the process of doing the portal, and we got a group of nice ladies down at the Risal facility uh, pushing that through for us. It's a group that does, you know, the paperwork for farmers so they can farm. Um, I was... I was going to comment on the $18 million grant money. Um, I just heard from Ted Williams, uh, third district supervisor yesterday that the funding has not yet been allocated or has it been asked for from the state because they don't know exactly how they're going to spend the funding or they don't have a, a use for it yet. So we still need people to come forward and push the agenda to get the $18 million. As far as I know, the funding that you speak of right now is other funding from other grants that are going to push through for us as well, which is great because, as you can tell, the dwindling numbers of farmers, you know, the, the state's really trying to push to keep us alive. I think that they owe us a bone, and that's what they're trying to throw us right now. So I was wondering about that $18 million and how we're going to get everybody together to get the, you know, the amount that's needed for that. Because if we can only show that we need five million, then they're only going to give us five, like you said, and the state will just take back the other, you know, thirteen. So uh I wanted to know how MCA is is pushing towards that and all that too. Thank you so much for the show. I appreciate you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Brandon from Laytonville for calling in with that question and commentary. Um, Michael, you want to go ahead there? And I do just want to say we have two callers holding and we've got like four and a half minutes here. So just sure, so we're I'll all try to keep time. it brief. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so they are two different uh, grant programs, the equity grant and the jurisdictional state grants. And the state grant application is due by November 15th. Uh, the board has directed the cannabis program to apply for that grant. There was a public listening session, uh, discussion session, I think, two weeks ago uh, or a week ago. It's hard to keep track uh, where the community came out and discussed with Supervisor Haschek and program director Nevidal, various uses for the grant. We are expecting it to, the application to come back in front of the Board of Supervisors no later than November 9th, at which point it will be finalized and then sent to the state. So we have every expectation that the grant will be applied for. Uh, we certainly know that we have enough uses for it. Um, you know, it is it is going to be very, very useful to our community, to our program uh, and to uh, the stability of our farmers. And so, yeah, we are we are right on top of that and we'll continue to work with the county to ensure that that happens. Thank you, Michael. So we're going to go ahead and put the next caller through and caller, if you don't mind keeping it a little brief so we can make sure to get to your question. That would be awesome. Um, hi, caller. Are you here with us on the Cannabis Hour? Yes, thank you so much. I am a disabled Vietnam veteran. I'm a local Mendocino boy, native-born Alaskan, but I came down here in 65. So we are looking for three seeds from the Bodega Bay ship crash strain of cannabis that washed up 
on the beach around 1980. And it was a magical strain of Thai sense of me. And my friends raked, went down there from your car and they raked a whole kilo out of the sand. But they only got two seeds. It was true sense of me and Thai. It was unbelievable taste. So if anyone out there can help me out with the Bottega Bay crash, the boat crash, I need three seeds from that strain. I'm a disabled Vietnam veteran, and my name is Che. It's four eight five nine five two six, and I smoked a bunch of Himalayan hash, and I'm telling you that fresh Thai grass was even stonier, unbelievable. Thank you. Thank All you. All right, that comment. Yes, thank you. All right, we have one caller. We're going to put them through really quick. We've got just a minute and a half here left. So, caller, if you can just state your question very quickly, and we'll do our best to very quickly answer it. Yeah, I'll make it real quick. Uh, if you're in the licensing process um, and you find uh, another different, better piece of property, I'm curious if the license follows you or it's stuck on the land. Okay, Michael, you want to quickly take that one? Oh, transferability. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would actually have to look more into that because there have been some timelines that were, I think, previously uh may have been adjusted as far as when transfer of permits can happen. And so uh, I unfortunately do not have the answer to that question for you. But if you email me your uh, email address at michael at mendocannabis.com, I can find that out and get back to you about it. Thank you, Michael. All right. We are wrapping it up here today. And I just want to say thanks so much, Michael, for joining me. You were a fabulous guest as always. Um, you always bring so much knowledge to the show. And callers, if you have any questions or comments, or maybe you have three seeds of that Bodega Bay strain that you want to get to that caller, you can send me an email. My email address is kzyxcannabishour at gmail.com. And Michael, you want to give out the MCA uh, website one more time for our callers before we hop off the air here? Sure. Thanks, Jen. And thanks for having me. And it's mendocannabis.com. That's mendocannabis.com. All right. Have a beautiful day, everyone. And stay tuned. Up next, we have Portraits in This podcast was produced by KZYX-FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, local community radio from Mendocino County, California. If you enjoyed the program and you'd like to hear more, in Northern California, you can tune in anytime to KZYX at 90.7 FM in Philo, KZYZ at 91.5 FM in Willits and Ukiah, and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg. If you're listening to this podcast from further away, we also stream live 24 hours a day at kzyx.org, where you can hear our eclectic range of locally produced music, public affairs, and news, along with daily state and national news programs and breaking news. You can also find out how to become a member to keep KZYX on the air. Thank you for listening.